0: What a great pleasure it was for me to go to the home of Caitlin and Dallin for an Orange Socks interview about their daughter, Ani. Their story is very tender. A few months after her birth, Ani was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA, type one. SMA is a fatal condition, and Ani blessed everyone's life for 21 months before she passed away.
1: I appreciate
0: Caitlin and Dallin for sharing their beautiful and heartfelt story. Dallin and Caitlin, thank you so much for meeting with me. This is awesome to be in your home to talk about your daughter, uh, Ani, who had a spinal muscular atrophy. Ani passed away a year and a half ago? That was
2: September of 2015.
0: Okay. Caitlin, when did you find out that Ani had I guess the abbreviation is SMA, Mm -hmm. and she was type 1 SMA. When did you find out that she had that diagnosis?
2: When she was about three or four months. um, We noticed something was wrong. We weren't sure exactly what. So we went in for testing and physical therapy, and then she was just almost turned seven months when we actually got the diagnosis, which is pretty late. I think most other families, it's within the first, you know, one to four months that they're usually diagnosed.
1: Dallin, what did you think when you heard that diagnosis? shocked and overwhelmed. We had Googled it, which was a mistake. You know, she was three or four months old and she couldn't really sit up. She couldn't really support any of her weight. And so that's why we knew something was up. So we kind of Googled
2: her not being able to bear weight on her legs. Yeah, her not
1: being able to bear weight. And SMA came up and we saw that the statistic was like 90% don't live past their second birthday. And when we saw that- Which I don't think
2: we knew that initially. We just knew that it would take her life. And yeah, so, th- and at that point, we didn't know, and so we're like, we're not going there, cause we're not scaring ourselves, you know. Because that was quite before
1: yet. we had done any testing, had looked into anything, and so we just said, all right, we're not. So we'll we just knew, yeah. we'll just take it as it comes, and and then that ended up being her diagnosis, and it was just worst case scenario for us. It, it had come true.
2: Because we knew the end result is it would end up taking her life, and that's all we knew about it. You know what I mean? We didn't know anything else. So
0: essentially, it's a fatal diagnosis. It's yeah. just a matter of when.
2: It's yeah, it's terminal, but yeah, and then. Yeah. You just never know when, but yeah.
0: It's typical for the children to pass before age two.
2: So the statistics or numbers are 50% don't live past their first birthday, 90% don't make it past their second birthday. And there's four different types and it's all about the highest milestone reached and the age of onset, if that makes sense. So most type ones, they never sit up. And so Ani held her head up and then lost that. Some type ones will roll over and then, you know, not be able to anymore but mainly just that she wasn't ever ever able to sit up is what made her kind of a type one. She was a stronger type one. Okay,
0: so what were some of your thoughts initially? We got Dallin's here, I mean, what were you thinking? Now you're this mom of this kid with this great big long name for a diagnosis.
2: Yeah, it was just absolutely terrifying. Like I still can remember, I'm probably gonna get emotional, but just hearing hearing it, it was just like time slowed and it's just, you knew, it just didn't seem real, you know, of just, oh, she has that thing that we researched and you know it's gonna end up taking her life. We at least know that. And then the lady that diagnosed her was so sweet but didn't know too much about it. And so that's when we were referred to um, pulmonologist right, for breathing and it, she was diagnosed on a Friday and we were referred to that on a Monday. And that's kind of when we were introduced to this whole medical side that we didn't know was coming. But yeah, I just remember driving home, Ani just babbling in her car seat and me and Ellen just silent, just sobbing. The whole way home, just, yeah, you don't know how to process it. Family and um, friends were texting us and calling us. We didn't respond yet, but we knew we couldn't put it off till the the next day to tell them. That night, we went over to both of our immediate families and told them, but... That was hard. Yeah, it was overwhelming, definitely, and heartbreaking.
1: Because they knew we had gone to the doctor and knew we would get answers as to what... And so they were expecting and so to the have fact to that we go, weren't getting back yeah. to him
2: I think they just they knew it was so bad to have but, to
1: go deliver that news to grandma and grandpa and uncles and aunts that it was it bad news yeah. aunt and uncles, it was, it was hard it was really hard so she
0: lived right up to just almost her second birthday
2: yeah she was 21 months so, so
0: 21 months should have been Dallin during that 21 months what was the hardest part was either caring for or or dealing with the diagnosis or what was the hardest part for you with Zani?
1: I think just seeing her just deteriorate just slowly lose physical things that she could do which we knew would happen with the disease their muscles don't develop and they continue to get weaker just to see the actual disease take its toll for her to just lose you know one thing after another and and to know that's kind of your timeline you can kind of tell okay things are getting worse, she's getting weaker. Things that we used to be able to do hold her up, you know, she needs to stay horizontal now and she struggles a little bit more breathing. Those things were indications that the disease was taking its toll and that was hard. It was hard to see. Especially because the kids, you know, SMA kids, they're mentally they're unaffected. So mentally she was growing like any toddler would and we could have that relationship but her body was just Breaking down.
0: Sure. What was the hard thing for you? The hard things for you? I would
2: say I'm a stress case. (laughs) Everyone in my life knows that. I stress about everything. So it was just, yeah, just the pressure and the stress of doing everything right. So learning all the medical equipment and just the looming of how and when she would pass away. You know what I mean? I was scared that it would maybe be traumatic or like in a public place or she'd stop breathing or, you know, a lot of other SMA parents have episodes like that. And that kind of always was looming. But yeah, it was just it was pretty overwhelming her care. And so in the moment, you're just kind of trying not to sink, you know, just your head's out of water, but you're doing it. And slowly it, it gets better. But that first initial almost fog of right after they're diagnosed, you're thinking of all the what ifs, you're stressing about everything that your future now is gonna look like you know adjusting those views of what you thought it was gonna be and now holy cow I'm walking into this big dark scary tunnel that it doesn't seem like you can see a light at the end you know sure. initially
0: easier question what were the joys
2: a lot because you'd look at her always and you'd she didn't know any different you know what I mean mm-hmm. she's so happy she was so happy through everything and so just being a parent is the most incredible thing. And so losing her, even though it was really hard when she was here, just the stress of it all, you'd take it back in one second, you know what I mean? To be able to spend any more time with her because it was just so precious and just, yeah, she was just so resilient and so positive and happy and had such a positive impact.
1: down what were your joys? Just knowing that her days are numbered. And so, you know, with that in mind, you kind of look at every day as a gift. And every day that you have, you know, with them is special. And I think, you know, when your kids are healthy, it's easy to kind of lose sight of that. And it's no different if your kid has a disease or not. Every day that you get to spend with a child, I think, is special, but especially if their days are numbered. And, you know, we were able to keep kind of that outlook, that every day that we have her is just the best day. You know, it's just a gift.
0: What impact? Did her 20 month one months have on your extended family and friends that that your circle of friends, Caitlin?
2: It was pretty incredible. I feel like as soon as she was diagnosed, our families, but also our community of where we grew up, the whole city, everyone just really rallied behind us. I mean, fundraisers were put on weeks or two days after she was diagnosed, and. I feel like so many people were affected and it it kind of became therapy for me to kind of share her updates and kind of our story over social media just because it was the easiest way to update everyone just in one place kind of a thing and so a lot of people were able to get to know Ani that way Um, especially with SMA respiratory illnesses are really scary and so colds just a common cold so people don't think about that but we have to be very careful with ourselves and her and where we take her so a lot of people weren't able to get to know her in person you know maybe as as normally could, um, but yeah, without that stress. So that was really nice that way. But I feel like she had a very positive impact. I feel like she just brought perspective to ourselves, our families and friends of just what's truly important.
1: And we kind of found that it was easier to just be, like on our, or Kate's, you know, social media, just to be real with how things, you know, really are. Cause you know, early on we'd kind of Hide the hard days, and would kind of, you know, you kind of just pretend the good days. Yeah, it felt like we were pretending when, deep down inside, you know, we were just hurting. And then, so once we started just kind of sharing, the good and the bad, that's when, people started to relate, and they just, you know, loved hearing on a story and hearing how she was doing and seeing her videos and her pictures. And yeah, she had quite a following, and you know, we were just grateful that people were able to get to know her like we know her, but through social media and in a way that they couldn't do in person.
2: Before we started sharing, I feel like that was a big release for us because we would kind of just pretend to be happy, I think, just not thinking about it, but just naturally, just you kind of pretend to be okay and kind of hold it together out in public. But once we just started opening up, it was a big release for us of just not having to be so miserable, you know what I mean? And just suffering behind the scenes. I don't know, yeah, you don't get that support, I guess, or something. But yeah.
0: If I were to come to you seeking advice that I just found out that my child had the same diagnosis, what advice would you give me?
2: I would first say it gets better. (laughs) The fog lifts, and you find a new normal. Even in the process, there's always happiness. You know what I mean? You can find joy in every day. It's just noticing it. And usually, it's in the small things. And so even just a simple walk with Ani, going to the park and just laying on a blanket or not having her hooked up to her pulse socks, you know, her that would show her heart rate and her O2 level and stuff. Just a simple normal moment. You just don't take any of those for granted, but initially, yeah, I would just say it gets, it gets better. It takes time. It's overwhelming, but just take it one day at a time. You know what I mean? And that fog will just slowly lift and you'll kind of find your new groove. And, experience happiness even it's going to be so hard but worth it always.
1: I would say to get the information medical care information that you need from your doctors and I would reach out and talk to other families and I would take in all that information and then establish your new routine as far as what you do for your child's care and kind of get a routine because you know for us we just Naturally, developed this routine of how we would do things with Annie and her care. For Annie, it worked; it was great. She had her schedule, she had her routine, and it was down. And there were times that she would be in the hospital, and we'd come home, and we'd pick right back up on the routine, and she wouldn't even miss a beat. And then for us, and, you know, as parents, you get a routine; you you kind of get a grasp of her medical medical care. We essentially had a almost an ICU of medical equipment in her room, with the stuff that she would need. And like Kay said, at first, it's overwhelming you just see all this equipment and all the medication and you don't think there's any way you can do it and then after a month or two months you're, you're so you're used an, to you're doing an expert it. she had two weeks stint in the hospital and the respiratory therapist said that we were essentially qualified to do their job as respiratory therapists just because of what SMAs you, what you their do at treatments home. are so yeah, aggressive yeah, yeah. Hmm. and so you just take the information and then gather it all in and then apply it to how you want to set it up in your own home
2: What was very helpful for us is I remember we went to that appointment and learned how to do her breathing treatments that you're supposed to do as preventative care twice a day always and then if she gets sick every four hours around the clock but we learned that treatment and then we went and met with a group called Rainbow Kids. I don't know is it a palliative care team maybe I don't know for sure but they it was a social worker, a nurse, a doctor. I can't remember who was all on the table, but they sat us down and talked through kind of the timeline, the SMA, you know what I mean? Like, these things are going to happen. Here are your options as a parent. Don't let the doctors make you feel like you have to choose one or the other. Choose what's best for your child and your family. And so I feel like that helped us because they were able to say, well this is what life with a trach looks like. You know, this is what a life with just doing the BiPAP would look like and where it would lead. And kind of had to ask those really hard questions, but at a time where Ani was still doing well and it was still scary but to get us thinking about those I felt like we were way more prepared when we were actually faced with those decisions, you know what I mean, of when to implement those and so that was a huge help I feel like.
1: It's difficult to have that because one you're dealing with the diagnosis emotionally you know and then you have to answer questions like how much medical care do you want to give them, do you want to go what's the way can I think like of the if the
2: ambulance was called or she was coding or something you know would you do CPR or would you do, mm-hmm. just what interventions would they do where it would help or would it hinder because their body gets so frail that you know what I mean maybe doing CPR would cause more issues than it would help at that point or you know just kind of those and when, you're, when you're
1: just emotionally yeah. shocked still to have to deal with those it's pretty tough but it's so important because when you get to the end of that road you've made all the tough decisions. You don't have to make
2: you've at least l- about literally
1: it, life or death decisions at that moment. You've already thought it through and you know mm-hmm. you know what you're going to do.
2: It's still terrifying but you at least feel more prepared or at least more informed so you can make a better educated decision sure. about it. Because yeah, that was kind of the scary thing for me of just even in the hospital making tough decisions or in an emergency situation if the ambulance called and usually the ambulance crew doesn't know. You know, you know more as a parent, which is terrifying. So that was kind of a lot of pressure too. Like, no one knows how to take care of Ani besides us, you know, better than us. And so that was kind of, kind of crazy, but.
0: Well, super. Any final words?
2: Going through it all, it was so hard. We've learned a ton and we've grown a ton. You wouldn't change a thing. That's the craziest part, through it all. Even losing her, you'd want her back in like two seconds if you could. But the people we are today is because we had Ani. And went through all we did
1: as parents you just gain a greater appreciation for life in general but just for your kids and you know our nieces and nephews we look at them and they're healthy and they're happy and the miracle that that is and i think you can take it for granted because you see it everywhere but you know when you lose a child to a disease you just have such an appreciation for young kids that are healthy and just life with them in general you just it's such a joy that I think often gets taken for granted, and so it just keeps things in perspective. At least for us, it just keeps life in perspective.
2: And I hope we could keep that perspective, because I know we're going to fall into that too, when, you know, in the future with more children, if they're a toddler and making messes or throwing fits, you know, that'll kind of be fogged, but they have muscles that are working. They're Mm -hmm. healthy, they're happy. They can throw a fit. They can throw themselves on the floor. They have working muscles. And so, yeah, it'll be a miracle to just, to see a child meet those physical milestone. So hopefully we can keep that gratitude and perspective.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you two taking the time, uh, Dallin and, and Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you for doing this uh, interview with me.
2: Thank you. Thank this you. is so nice of you.
1: Appreciate it.